0: back for another great episode of how to acquire podcast. And we've explored so many uh, different avenues for our audience of investors who are looking for uh, other areas to invest in or new areas to invest in. Um, But a big part of investing is once you've acquired a company or acquired an asset, it's good to understand uh, the governing bodies of that asset. It's good to understand uh, how you're going to oversee that asset. And so in order for us to have that conversation, I wanted to bring someone on who has expertise in corporate governance and understands how we can really look at this at a a wider lens uh, as you've acquired your asset. Uh, So joining us on the line is Mo Jola of Ziden Legal. Welcome to How to Acquire Podcast. Thank you. You're very welcome. For those who don't know you, just introduce yourself and tell us about your company.
1: Okay, so my name is Mojola Olifa. I'm a lawyer and um, I'm the founder and lead consultant to Zayden Legal. Ziden um, is a consulting firm, a legal consulting firm. We help um, corporations, individuals, startups to, you know, Actually, their legal needs basically. So um, from labor relations to incorporations to corporate governance to, you know, um, fintech, everything basically, everything legal. But then we have consultants and um, with different areas of specialties. My specialty is corporate governance. So although I lead the organization, I have my area of specialty and I have people that I collaborate with to, you know, make that happen. We're um, we're about nine consultants in and now. we expanded. so yeah. So that's what Zyden does. Zyden is um, in Nigeria now, and then we recently, you know, moved to um, Canada. Another office in Canada, and we're hoping to, you know, keep expanding that way because we um, service clients around the world. Uh, I mean, about over forty countries right now, and um, yeah, so. When we're moving. We're moving. It's, it's it's
0: pretty great what we do here. So that's that's what. awesome. And so you said uh, forty countries, and that that's a lot. Um, I know you mentioned <laughs> Nigeria, Canada. Or can you name a couple other countries, just so people that are listening are aware? Yes. Yeah. Um,
1: we have in, um, we have in the U.S. We have in Ghana. We have in Kenya. We have in South Africa. We have in we have in the UK, we have in, we have in Israel, we have in, we actually
0: have in a number of you. know, I love so, it. Yeah,
1: so, well, just move
0: it. <laughs> so, so what, of course, we'll get to today's topic and really dive in, but what, what inspired you uh, to launch this firm and uh, make sure that it was an international and, and global brand?
1: Yeah, so um. Zayden um, was, we started operations in uh, 2017, 2018. And um, it, wasn't, it wasn't really Ziden then because I hadn't built a brand around it. I just, I had a lot of, you know, I was working in law firm. Then I was a young lawyer, I'm fresh from school and working in law firm. But I found out that, that um, I was able to, you know, get clients by myself. I don't know if it was the confidence, I don't know if it was my work ethics, I just found out that uh, people were coming to me and I couldn't, I wasn't able to um, manage my time working full-time and having all these clients by the side. So I began to you know, get these clients because I never turned them back, get these clients and then I would search them to you know my colleagues, my colleagues who um, had a bit of more time on their hands. So I, I would outsource them and then take my commission. So it began, it began to you know grow. And at some point, it became too much to do any other thing aside as that. So I decided to, you know what, let me step back and then face my own practice, privately and just build something around that. I I knew I stayed for a while, because I I kept feeling uh, there's a post syndrome, thinking, oh, maybe I'm not ready for this, maybe I can't do this. But I mean, my clients were coming back, and they were referring me and it was very big. So, I, I mean, there had to be something here that I was doing right. And uh, there was a quality to what I was doing. There was a standard to what I was giving out. And I, I just felt like, well, this is the time to take, you know, take the plunge. There's no better time than now. This is not to say that I had all the knowledge, all the experience when we started, but I leveraged on other people. People had the areas of expertise, people who knew, you know, it's not possible to know everything about everything. So there are people who are specialized. So I partnered with them, told them, come over as a consultant. You know, you take whatever deal, if you're in intellectual property, you're in the uh, banking and finance. You're in the energy, you're in uh, real estate, let's come together and work together. So that was how we started.
0: Exactly. I love that.
1: We just kept moving.
0: I love that. Uh, I, I know there's many different areas of law that you could uh, choose to be in. Uh, it appears that you chose, uh, I guess, a form of business law and working directly with businesses. Why that particular pathway?
1: Yeah. Thank <laughs> okay, you. So i um, going into law in the first place. I I, I would say I stumbled into uh, studying law. <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't something I wanted to, or I wasn't against it, but I didn't I didn't have a clear uh, path. It was just you know. I was in the arts and social sciences in high school, and then I had to make a, make a decision about what to go into. And I'm like, okay, and people say, oh, don't waste your results, you're really smart, you should study law and all of that. So I went in and I mean it wasn't until my fourth year um, that I discovered I stumbled on corporate law practices. And I'm like, hmm, this is something I can do. And um, um, a lot of people struggled with it, it had all the regulatory authorities, mergers and acquisitions, and you know, um, foreign direct investments, FBIs, bringing all of that, and um, a lot of people struggled with that, but it was the, it was, that was what interested me, that was what brought out this fact, so I knew that if I was going to practice at all, it was going to be corporate and commercial practice, so I mean, I, I finished from school, went to law school, I got a couple of more diplomas, you know, in financial strategy, in corporate strategy, you know, headquarters. I just wanted to know. I just kept eating and eating as much as I could. Knowledge, eating all the information there was. And I mean, it was, it was, it was really, it was wonderful. And then um, it just so happened that my first client, I wasn't even, I was, I was waiting to be called to the bar when I had my first client. And it wasn't even, I was in Nigeria at the moment. It wasn't even in Nigeria. He was a foreigner and he was moving he had this big um, Pan-African idea and he uh, wanted to you know, uh, register, incorporate that. He had all these you know, big ideas and then he came to me. So I helped to you know, establish that. And then we started to build you know, a corporate structure around the government council, the board of trustees. And I was working at that moment I told him, I wasn't called to the bar yet, and he so says, okay, I'll wait, I'll wait till you're called I, I, was, I told him, I'll refer you to other people who said who he was going to win. So uh, he waited, Then I was called to the bar, and I could, you know, legally practice that. And so we started, and he had people, you know, he was bringing people from all over. He was bringing, bringing people from um, from Harvard, he was bringing a Nobel laureates, Nobel Prize winners, he was bringing all these big people, and uh, I was terrified, but... I had decided, you know, let's take it on and let's do, let's make this work. And then from there, because I was working with them, I was helping them to build that structure, um, they were impressed. And then I got referrals from there and I just you know, started expanding. Then I got another referral of um, a, a big um, cosmetics and um, multinational cosmetics company, and they wanted to you know, come into the Nigerian market. They're not coming into Africa and they needed somebody to do that too. That, that way, I started that. So I just kept moving, and we are having franchises, and we are having, you know, people taking up all of these things. So it just kept expanding, and from that way, you just just I I usually said that I was in Nigeria, but about seventy percent of my clients were I didn't get to work with Nigerian clients too much later, were non-Nigerians, and so the the scope widened, and then there was that demand on me to. You widen my, my horizons as well. So I kept developing international connections with lawyers over there, um, finding out how this differs, what works in Nigeria, what works in different jurisdictions, and you know, helping that. So the thing is, and that's how I moved into corporate governance. When you incorporate, you want to build something. So people don't just say, oh, help me incorporate and register this. Then you want to know how does it work in this jurisdiction. What are the uh, rules that govern management of this jurisdiction? How am I supposed to set this up? You know, how am I supposed to administer the rules, build up the management team, you know, um, avoid risks and uh, ensure compliance to everything I'm doing? So I, that was what I started to help people to do. You know, you the board of directors, the management team, the executive, um, stakeholder management, shareholder management, and all of that. So that was how I got into corporate.
0: So really, and we're going to get into this uh, a little bit deeper, you're really looking at the the structure and the foundation uh, of a business. Uh, tell us, uh, you're, you're kind of touching on it a little bit, but tell us a little bit about the corporate govern- governance. Like uh, for a company, or let's say somebody's about to acquire a company, what should they be looking at when it comes to uh, corporate governance? What should Uh, a company have in place that would show that it has a good sturdy foundation when it comes to being properly governed.
1: So if uh, if you're looking to acquire a company, you you don't want to uh, get on dead weight and you don't want to uh, pick up a liability. So you want to ensure, first of all, that uh, the company is properly structured, who are the shareholders, who are the principal officers of the company, what do their books look like? What's what's the how is it incorporated? Is it a limited liability company? Is it unlimited? Are their books properly kept? Are the returns and paid up to date? What is the philosophy behind this company? Are they um, are they um, shareholder minded? Is it about the profit or do they uh, focus more on the stakeholders generally? Are not just the shareholders? What is the um, how do they? What's their relationship with the government? How how do they comply? What is what are their ESG um, principles? What happens in this, in this? Because I, I usually say that um, a company is a separate legal entity, right? Uh, you see it as a person, a company can buy, can be bought, a company can marry, could can divorce, the company has all of these things. But a company is still an abstraction. It doesn't work until the people behind it make it work. So the directors, the management, the people in the background are the ones that make the you know, decisions for the company, and you want to ensure that they are making the right decisions. You want to ensure that um, you want to ensure that they have the knowledge in the first place. They have the right knowledge. They have the right heart. They are looking out for the best interest of the company. They are not just there for you know profit or for selfish reasons. Because um, directors owe um, the company a duty. You owe the company a duty to act in good faith, to act in the best interest of the company, and that's why you have your management there, not for not for fraudulent uh, purposes, not for not for you know for their unselfish interests. The directors' the board is there to check even the CEO, so it's not a one-man show. It's run by a lot of people. So uh, if you are trying to, um, I usually tell people that your directors are uh, they're the brain behind. It company, and the day-to-day um, executives, the workers, are the hands of the company. So the brain thinks, formulates strategies, um, looks at risks, looks at how to avoid these risks, and then brings out policies that will guide that. Then, the workers and the company, the day-to-day officers, apply these principles that they have come up with. So you want to ensure that the brain is working well. And then you also want to ensure that the hands and the uh, feet are working well at the same time. So, that synergy is what corporate governance is that synergy between the brain and the other parts of the body to achieve the goals that the company has set. That is what corporate governance is. So, you know, um, a lot of people, there are different reasons why people bring um, their directors. So, you see some small companies and some startups, and it's a family business. So, you just put your brother and you put your sister. But at the end of the day, that may not be the best decision. For your company, so you need to understand first of all what is the goal of this company set up? If you are trying to um, set up this company for generational wealth, then oh, it might be fine to put your family members and all of that. But at the same time, there has to be rules to guide um, those th- those um, those officers of the company. How is this passed down from generation to generation? How is the um, you know how is the stock share How is the shares structured? How does it, what's the succession plan? But if you are looking to set up a company that's going to be a, a global phenomenon, and you probably one day want to you know call an IPO, move it into you know make it a public company and call people, you cannot set up your management with sentiments. You have to be you have to be very logical when you're setting up these people. So you probably want somebody sitting on the board of directors that's very vast in finance. You want somebody that understands your um, the social dynamics of a corporation, somebody that understands why there has to be diversity on the board, somebody that understands the implications on the environment, you want somebody that understands the marketing part of it. You want somebody who is totally unbiased, removed from the entire process, who can check you sitting as the chairman of the board. So you want to balance. Depending on what the goal of the company is, then you go ahead and form your board. The board on the other hand serves as the brain and uh, has the responsibility to ensure that the goals of the company, the goals that the founder, the CEO, whoever brought up the idea that the founders as the case may be set are met. Yeah, so that's, that's basically what the corporate So, so it, it, it goes beyond you know, just the directors, the shareholders, the shareholders' interests are met because not every shareholder will be a director. Yeah, so you want to know that the interest of the shell if I put my money in your business, if I put my money down and sell it to invest in this, uh, I should be able to trust that the board of directors will do right by me in doing that. And at the same time, uh, the board of directors also ensure that the relationship with stakeholders to so the environment, where you're an oil company, uh, you probably are polluting the air in some way, how are you giving back, how are you making sure that the carbon is not just released that way, how are you, you know, giving back to the environment. Well, so this, these are the things that go into corporate governance and you want a professional to handle that thing. There's also the side of the compliance with regulatory authorities. and You want your books to be in order. I mean, if, if, if there's an acquisition or a merger or a partnership, like a partnership with another company, you don't want to start scrambling at that moment. You don't want to, um, IRS... Whatever body's in charge of tax in your jurisdiction, you don't want them to come knocking and say you flouted this or this or that. You also want to ensure that the minority um, in your company, the minority shareholders, are not you know their voices are not drowned over the majority uh, under that that of the majority shareholders. So you want to act fair, and that's what corporate that's what corporate governance is about, and that's what the board seeks to
0: do. Thank you so much. Uh, You're giving us a wealth of, of knowledge and wisdom here. Uh, and you, you you're touching on this a little bit what are some of the red flags that you've seen when it comes to uh non-proper corporate governance with a company what are some of those those major red flags people should be paying attention to so um um i, I will say that the
1: first is the risk of losing your business altogether because um you know um, when the board is not properly set up, you know, except the board is a, a means of checks and balances for for and against the CEO, basically. It's, uh, but where the CEO is also the chairman of the board, there's a conflict of interest in that. And so it means that as a shareholder, you're at risk. There's nothing to check the chairman of the board from, you know, taking loans against the company and running the company into the ground. Because he is the alpha and the omega at that moment of the company there is nothing checking that person, so you know your investment is going into the ground. There's also the risk of you know not getting proper advice on how to structure uh, the company and um, how to you know give your equity and shares to. Um, so I had there, there was there was this case a client came to me, but she came quite late. It was a stand up. Uh, it wasn't too late. We're able to help her, but I mean by the time she came, she was saying that oh she was um, getting a co-founder. And uh, she had forty. She had taken fourteen percent of the entirety of the company, and she was going to give the co-founder thirty. And she was bringing in chief financial officer, and she was going to give that person, you know, twenty percent. So that's that's about ninety percent of the entire holdings uh, of the company. And and I I, I had to tell her that that that's, that's very risky. You have forty. It mean, there are three people. You be governing this yourself and the other two officers, and you have forty. You're already in the minority. You could be voted out at the next meeting, and your business is taken from you. And then you know you don't want to dish out equity just uh, anyhow. Your your equity is um, your leverage as a business owner. That is what you own. You don't want to you don't want to give it out any. A lot of people don't have foresight when it comes to their company. They see that's what they have now. They don't they don't understand what the future of the company might be. They don't understand how big this might be, and so they just, you know, I can't afford to pay you to come. So I'll just give you equity. I'll give you 20%. I'll give you 10%. I'll give you 5%. And then you give it, give it all away. You're not having any, um, you're not having the majority of shares. Yeah, of the shares, rather. And you don't have anything kept for future investors. I mean, if people want to invest in your company at some point, they probably would say, um, they want um 5% for, you know, this 100 million dollars investment in your company and then you don't have five percent at that moment because you have given it all away and so you have to go and try to buy those uh, shares back from people you've given at that moment you're desperate it's whatever they ask you to pay for those for the amount of shares you want there so you're in a tight spot to, um people need to understand that you don't bring in a corporate governance specialist later on in your business you bring in you bring in Specialists at the beginning, at the foundation, you know, to structure. They have the foresight. They can, you know, uh, make projections on how things will turn out. And you know, they take in. Usually, we give a diagnostic test to understand your needs, to understand the goals of the company, to understand what exactly this company is meant to achieve. And then, you know, we have you you do the valuation. You do a whole lot of things to set up this structure. So it's not it's not something you do on the whim. It's not something you do, you know, sentimentally. You have to bring. An all-biased fire that will help you sit down. And that's,
0: what's, that's what we do. So, you mentioned this idea of making sure that you bring in your uh, corporate governance uh, specialists in the very beginning. So, once the beginning has started and you've helped establish uh, all the necessary yeah. foundation in the beginning, what type of services are ongoing? What type of things will that corporate governance specialist have uh, beyond the, the initial startup? Phase
1: uh, or the, the beginning stage. Okay, yes. So, um, in different jurisdictions, there are different rules, but um, there's is, there's is the um, rule, this general rule, the OECD, the uh, Organization of you know, um, Economic uh, Boards, basically in the world, and they have this uh, principles of. Um, there's a rotational uh, rotational schedule of directors. So, a director, I know in Nigeria, it's about three years. Sit on board for three years. After three years, all the directors are required to step down, and there is a fresh voting process, you know. Except um, um, in case of maybe a life director, which you have indicated. So, if you want someone to be a life director, or you want yourself to be a life director, it's indicated from the beginning, from the incorporation processes, in the articles of association of the company. Yeah. So you said you will be a life director, so you don't need to step down. But every other person steps down. Yeah. And the shareholders, the general meeting will vote for new officers into Daro. So there's the rotation, and there are other um, instances where um, uh, other instances where you may need to uh, replace the director, a member. But in cases of you know, in misdemeanour, uh, fraudulent activities, or when uh, say um, a director dies, now there's a vacancy. You have a casual director that you put in there. Then the general meeting the members have to ratify. So yes. Let's make this person uh, replace this this uh, the seats to fill in the empty seat, or you know we don't want this person. We want a fresh board. And uh, if that director was given that position, and uh, he was a life director, it means that his assigns, his heirs, his next of Kings will be the one to fill that position, or decide that they do not want to fill that position. So there is a whole lot of process in uh, the governing body. Then. So last year, last year that was when we had the George Floyd Black Lives Matter um, movement, that sparked a whole lot of discussion on diversity um, on boards and you know, same representation of people of color. But so these are the things that um, it, many corporations didn't see that coming. I mean, they probably paid lip service to it, but they never really implemented that. So uh, it became uh, a dance of uh, a performative thing. Where people just wanted to put as many black faces. But the thing is, the public can tell when you're you know, you paying your service to something and it's not really, it doesn't reflect it in your in your um, companies and philosophy over the years. So they're just cramming to look the parts now. So that's why you have people like this, uh, the corporate governance specialists, and see the advices. I, I mean, for companies, uh, I don't know if we're allowed to name corporations, but we have companies that have. Always to the black people, and people already know, know that you know during the Bendy B, it's called company. You already knew people who you knew their body, their body postures, knew their body languages, and that's what the specialists help you do. There are things you just you know you overlook sometimes, it's gender, and you know, women are not represented um, so much on your board. and there are so many other things you just want to come and you know, you're making plastics. That's what my industry is about. We're making plastics and all what is the effect on the economy? What's the effect on the environment? And how can you, you know, if you're taking this, it means that you're causing some harm to people in your neighborhood. How do you make this work? How are you right standing with the stakeholders in the environment? So these are all the things that your specialists would help you uh, look at. So You focus on running the business. You focus on making sure that you're in right standing with everybody involved
0: in the business. Well, this is a very interesting concept. I never even connected the idea that the situation with Black Lives Matter uh, would impact corporate governance. And so you're kind of blowing my mind here where uh, if you didn't, (laughs) beforehand, if you didn't necessarily have the right people in position, now your company's kind of looked at like, wait, what's going on over there? So let's kind of talk about that, you know, having the right women in place, having the right uh, different ethnic backgrounds in place. Those are the kind of conversations you'll have at the very beginning with a company, like saying, this is why you may may want to be very strategic in who you're building Mm -hmm. your company around, especially based off of what the company's mission and vision is, am I understanding that correctly?
1: Yes, 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 that's correct.
0: Wow, that's that, that's that's a really great um, way to view that. Yeah, that's
1: that's, that's it. so. I, I mean, so so many people are so many people are business business oriented, which isn't bad because you cannot be everything. But that's why you have people who are versed in different um, in other areas of specialty, and you, you don't want to, except you are not trying to you know build your company to something bigger. If you just want to keep it as a small business, then that's fine. But if you are going to, you, know, you are going to open up your business, you want people to come, you want more clients, more customers, then you have to have your house in order. You have to have your house in order, and that's what corporate governance basically. Means. So it's management basically. Can
0: Can this service be also used for an investor who is looking to launch a fund? Uh, is, it, is this similar type of thinking if they're looking to launch a fund where they're acquiring multiple businesses? Uh, can, d- does the fund need corporate governance or does just each individual asset need corporate governance? Well, uh, the
1: foundations around um... People say, you know, you just want to launch a fund and you want to, you know, VC and invest in and different corporations. But people are saying now that um, about you um, all about 100, I, I, can't, I don't have the numbers in my head, but I was reading a report about two days ago. And it said that um, only about 2%, or was it 12% of women benefited from, you know, funds and um, funding uh, opportunities last year. Right. And that's a- that's that. That's a big problem. I mean, you you are you you think you are doing good, which you probably are, but you are not taking into account all of these, you know, factors. You are not looking at diversity. You are not looking at the social effect of what you are doing and how it can be perceived out, out there. So yes, you probably you, you probably need that. You probably need that as well. So I I I think that as long as it's an entity that is incorporated, you, you definitely need even for a non-government. Organizations, non-profits, organizations as well. You need you need a corporate governance person, you know, helping you to ensure that things are done as well. Because for every for every um, management body else, there, there is there is uh, there are prescriptions on how you know it should be run. There are returns that you have to make to the government. There are, there are, there are specifications on how what to uh, form a quorum you know when you, when you say you made, you came to some decision at the board and you find out that you probably were not even allowed to come to that decision. The government wouldn't recognize that decision um, for different reasons. Maybe a quorum wasn't formed, or you didn't. You know there are rules on how you notify members for the meeting, uh, the number of days you have to give, how to remove a director. You cannot unilaterally remove a director. The board cannot sit and say well, we don't want this director anymore, and then unilaterally remove that director. We had a case like that of the bank of director and you know, um, other members of the board said, we don't want this man on the board or they brought some allegations, but it wasn't properly investigated. And they voted him out. And this, this man took the case but for the you dragged on for now four years. At the end of the day, he wasn't properly removed because members in the general meeting are the ones that voted directors, not the board of directors bringing in themselves. So the board of directors cannot kind of kick him out. He had to give the members. So you know there are a whole lot of uh, things that go into that, and it dragged on for so long. It was a court case, uh, litigation, prizes for him, that shareholders were losing their money to litigation. It wasn't pretty, and at the end of the day, the man went with about with so much money, was so much money um, uh, against them for the you wrongful know, termination and money that should have been going to shareholders as dividends. and, uh, you know, um, so many things went into litigation and litigation. Uh, so there, there, uh, you need people, you need people that know how it should be done, guiding your
0: hand every step of the way. So. I, I thank you again for really sharing uh, this information. I only have a couple more questions for you uh, for this <laughs> conversation that we're having. Um, if, if I have a company and let's say I'm in the United States but I want to operate globally, uh, do I need to factor in the different countries that I'm going to be operating in when it comes to my corporate governance? How do I view that if I want to be a global company? There,
1: there, there are different rules. Like I said, there, there are different rules pretty uh, different jurisdictions. And... Uh, uh, your your corporate, but there are are global rules as well, like I said, there are global rules of corporate governance, there are general rules, I mean, of inclusion, for diversity, maybe not and Maybe there are different rules, they know how you file returns or what you're supposed to do, uh, the technicalities, but the general principles are pretty much the same in uh, many jurisdictions. So if you have an expat, uh, maybe, uh, on a retainer, or you have somebody on board that's doing that for you. Um, and some people are smart enough to get a corporate governance specialist on the board, so they get that way. You get, you know, you get that corporate governance director you in your corporation, so you get free. It's just your free rolling um, insights into how things should run. So as long as you have somebody, uh, you're a seventy percent. It's fine, you know, for all jurisdictions with a bit of care you know, and there, I mean, what we operating in non-Islamic states will be different from what's would obtain in an Islamic state. So there are this tiny um, differences as to you know maybe taxes and all, but the general principles of representation of management of equity and fairness to so, you know the stakeholders, the shareholders, the environment are pretty much the same globally. So.
0: Uh, you know, I have to keep thanking you because you're kind of opening up our minds here uh, as people are looking to acquire. I think this is such a pivotal conversation when they're going out and acquiring companies. I think it's important to make sure they have the right foundation in place. Uh, So uh, how exactly somebody who's listening to this episode and they know they need this for their company or they got a project or something coming up, how do they, Work with your company. What is that process working with uh, Zyden? Yeah, so
1: with Zyden we have um, we have retainer um, opportunities. We have retainer options for you know uh, people who need corporate governance specialists. People who need basically any legal services for corporate governance. So you know you have uh, you can have someone on retainer, a yearly retainer that you know helps you to uh, formulate uh, these policies. The first thing is the uh, diagnostic test I mentioned earlier. We take a diagnostic test uh, on pretty much everything, every area of your uh, corporation, to intellectual property, to you know uh, compliance with um, the regulatory authorities in your jurisdiction. You know, we take a review, we test you, and then we have uh, we give you a comprehensive report, and then uh, we give you our recommendations. So you could decide, you know, after the consultation, you could decide to go ahead and you know book a retainer or book more us or you know. However you want to engage, you have somebody that's on board that you have working with you from the beginning till when you want to terminate that team. So that's
0: what we do. How how soon in the process, when I'm about to acquire additional companies, should I be reaching out to you? Should I reach out to you when the asset has already been acquired? Or should I reach out to you when I'm in the process uh, well, yeah, I mean, that final due diligence side of the acquisition.
1: Yes, I, I, I'll say um, as long as, as soon as you decide on what you want to acquire, then you should reach out because um, the due diligence. You like I said, you don't want to acquire a dead weight, you don't want to acquire a liability, you don't want uh, to acquire fraudulent um, uh, fraudulent company that's just a cover for something much deeper. So you want somebody who is who can spot, who knows what to look out for and what to spot. And so from the point where you decide that you're interested in a particular entity, you want to bring up a specialist who will take it from there, who knows what to look for, knows what to spot, knows the red flags, and can help you out from there. So,
0: so. I thank you so much for uh, stopping by How to Acquire uh, podcast today. I want you to know, that you have an open invite to continue uh, coming on. If there's something uh, that you're working on, uh, any type of initiatives, please come back. If you have any clients who would like to uh, feature their company or uh, are in the world of acquisitions, we would love to speak with them. We consider you to be part of our network now. And so we look forward to working with you long-term and we really do appreciate you. Any final thoughts for this world of acquirers out here. I'll just, uh, I just
1: want to say that um, I'm super impressed with what's going on here. Um, I'm very happy. I stumbled on how to acquire and the Black e- e- Equity Network. I've been listening and listening, and I think it's, they're doing so much, so much work. I, I I appreciate it. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh We wish you much success uh with Ziden. We uh, we are really rooting Thank for you. you. And we actually are looking forward to potentially working with you in the the future. Uh, So thank you so much for stopping by. Thank you, too. Thank
1: you.